Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Spartanburg, two weeks away from the first camp practice. Our next guest knows what those hot days are like down there. I'm sure he will be down there taking in some of the practices as he prepares for another season in the booth on the Panthers radio network. He is one of the Panthers all-time great Hall of Honor member in his own right. Jake DeLome joins us here on the Mac and Bone Show in Charlotte. Jake, how you been, man? Thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm great, man. It's... um. They can't get here soon enough. I'll tell you that much. I'm sick and tired of not having, in my opinion, certain sports to watch on television. <laughs> so it can't, it can't get here soon enough. I'm at that same place in my sports calendar. I need camp. I need football news daily. Uh, you know, I want to ask you something about something I saw in the Panthers Blueprint uh, show. They're behind the scenes show, which is just so cool. The three shows they did were great. But the, you and Luke, you and Luke Keekley were standing there at a practice. And you were talking, and Luke was talking about just how impressive it is, the energy, the coach's energy, the player's energy. Discuss that. What do you, When you've seen this team practicing, it seems like, first of all, there's been so many of the old vets like you guys back. Uh, they've really been embraced by Reich and the staff. But it seems like a lot of you guys, TD was saying the same thing, seems like a lot of you guys are impressed with the tempo and the energy at these practices. No, definitely so. Listen, and um, I've only I, I was only able to see one early on, okay. and um, I think the biggest thing is that one you hit on the head the 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 ex players, the older guys, and um, how welcome they are, and how much Frank wants them to come back around because Frank truly understands. Yes, being in the NFL special, but Carolina is very very different. I, and I told that I addressed the team. Uh, the day of the draft, when they had an OTA, Frank asked me to address the team. And I basically said, listen, you know, the NFL's tough. It's great. It's hard. It's rewarding. Uh, but to do it in Charlotte now, uh, it's special. It's very different than most places. And uh, they will support you like no other. And uh, you have every resource possible. But there's, there's just something about it. And, and when, I, when you say the energy, it just feels different, guys. It feels different. Frank, been a successful coach in the NFL. But I just... I go to it. I just truly believe the offensive, I guess you can say, um, the, uh, the offensive general manager and Jim Caldwell in my mind, the defensive general manager um, and, Dom, and Dom Capers, I just think that just does so much. And the coaching staff, how great of a coaching staff, I, I truly believe they have. And the pieces, are, they're starting to come together. And guys sense it, guys feel it, guys see it. Um, and there's, there's just something to be said for that. I think Shaq Thompson said something uh, toward the end of OTAs. Like, listen, we always talked about, um, yeah, making the playoffs, you know, being a Super Bowl team. And, and he basically, he was honest. He said, we hadn't had that feeling. It didn't feel that way the last few years. Yeah. This starting to feel different. Jake, when we were going through the Blueprint episodes, and I wrote this note down and said it on the air, one thing was noticeable, and it was about you when they were showing you out there on draft night addressing the crowd. You could still see 
just by the look on your face and what you're saying and your demeanor, how much this organization, how much the fans, how much the city still means to you. You can just, it comes through just in watching you on that show. Well, listen, there's something about it. Um, I'm I'm just telling you, man, I've I've played at four different places, uh, well, Carolina included in the four. It's just different in Carolina. It's just different. Yes, New Orleans had a... um, Great, great fan base. It's, it's a fantastic fan base. It's so built into the fabric of that city. But Carolina, to me, is just—it was a certain feel. It was just it, it, to me, it always felt like home. It just felt right. And uh, this organization, um, if you look at it, Kerry Collins, first quarterback drafted, and things started out well. And and Kerry had some off the field issues that he corrected, uh, credits himself, and, and became a really fantastic quarterback in the NFL. Um, then I was like to see Burline toward the end of his career, kind of rejuvenated the fan base. I was able to come in at the right time with the right players, uh, and we made a sustained run for a while. And then, then you have Cam, uh, first overall pick, all the expectations, and he fulfilled every one of those uh, except the Super Bowl uh, win. And that's kind of what, what Carolina's chasing. I mean, to play in two Super Bowls uh, in such a short period of time, to, to make some championship games in a short period of time, and, and now the first overall pick. Yes, that's high expectations for Bryce Young, but it looks like, you know, that's something that he embraces. And, and who's to say this is not another reset on, mar- on marching towards making a long and sustained run? I think that's that's the key. It's getting a sustained run yeah. of credibility in the NFL. 100%. Jake DeLome is with us, a Panther all-time great Hall of Honor man himself. Uh, and, Jake, you're going to uh, get a chance in October to see – Two of your former teammates go into the Hall of Honor and be right there with you, and that is Julius Peppers and Moosin Muhammad. I want to ask about Moose first, though, because you know he's the one that you know you guys had that connection. You and Smitty had a great connection, but let's not sleep on the connection that you and Moose had. What made Moose so special, and what was he like as a teammate? Listen, I think consistency. Um, I came along. I guess that would have been Moose's. 56 years, somewhere around there. Um, And just um, very consistent. And the physicality, I think we all know, listen, Smitty was this pocket rocket, just dynamic um, playmaker that I don't think we've we've ever seen in Charlotte. I don't know. Hopefully we can see another one. I doubt it. Uh, Uh Like Steve. But Moose, just what he brought to the team. And I go back to the 2004 season. Steve signs a big contract. He is our number one weapon. There's no doubt. He breaks his leg the first game of the season. Musin Muhammad, we changed our offense completely. And we went to more of a kind of a two-tight-end type approach. Um, and Moose became the, the, the focal point of this football team. And if you go back and look at the year that he had, the statistics that he had, the yards, the catches, the touchdowns, um, he was a true number one. And he got rewarded to go to Chicago. Um and and then eventually was able to come back. But I just felt Moose was day in and day out. His approach, he never got too high and he never got too low. But for a receiver to have the want to to want and block and punish safeties, corners, linebackers um, for all those years, that resonated throughout the football team. It resonated with the other receivers in the room. If you had some that, um, let's just say that, I'm not saying they were cowardly, but Receivers don't like to block safeties and linebackers. That's not kind of what you're made to do. But when you see Musin Muhammad do it, and then Steve kind of used to love to flip people, um, <laughs> it, just, it, it, it made a 
it just made a toughness. There was a grittiness about it. Richard Williamson, their coach, I mean, he was Captain Gritty. I mean, he played for Bear Bryant and old school. Uh, it just, it kind of just, it brought an attitude uh, to the football team that I just think that was hard to, hard to kind of replace. By the way, Jake, T-Bone brought that up. Him and Jim Zoki were talking uh, talking about this on this show yesterday. That year, 2004, you just talked about, I'll never forget it. For people that always thought of Moose as, uh, well, yeah, he was at number two to Steve or whatever. When y'all needed him to step up, these were the numbers, by the way, that you were talking about. 93 catches, 1,405 yards oh. led, led the league, 15.1 yards per catch. 16 touchdowns, led the league in touchdowns, led the league in yards per game. He was that good when y'all needed him. And think to be about there. how many wins God. that led to because the season started out poorly. Almost made a run to the playoffs. Tremendous run, right? Yeah. Jake, in terms of wins as well. Yeah. yeah. Listen, we were one and seven. We had four out of the five offensive linemen. Three were new. Uh, Jordan switched from right to left tackle. We lost every running back known to man. We lost Chris Jenkins, Dan Morgan. Uh, you just, you name it, we lost guy after guy after guy. Um, but I think the big thing was that, you know, Moose just brought that consistency. You know, we knew we lost Steve, and, and he was he was the one. I don't think there's any doubt. Steve was the one. We all knew that. Yeah. But Moose had to step up, and, and he did it. And, um, you know, he just – I said it a few years ago. When I was lucky enough to be inducted, listen, I was blessed. I was honored. But I truly believed, I thought maybe Moose probably should have gone in before me. Uh, it's just my opinion. I thought he meant maybe a little more to the franchise. Uh, I'm just proud to, um, I'm proud that he's going in. I'm proud I'm going to be there that weekend. And, you know, Pep, I don't know what needs to be said about him. I mean, when, when you say Pep and everybody knows who you're talking about, I think that kind of goes to show you the impact he had. So, it's a, um, you know, two well, well-deserved well guys. And I'm assuming there'll be a few more down the line. But Definitely. these two, it's, uh, it's ideal those two are going in together. Jake, how happy were you that well, both guys did? But how happy were you that, that Pep got a second stint here? Because it didn't end that well the first time in terms of the fan view of Peppers and sort of the way that the contract stuff happened. How happy were you to see a more open Pep and, 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 and Pep the leader really show out here in stint two? Well, I think you, uh, Pep found his voice. I, that, that was kind of how I, I took it. And and I don't know. Listen, he's a very quiet individual to begin with. He was, you know, Mr. Everything in high school in North Carolina. He goes to UNC. Yes, he's a football player, but but he's on a Final Four basketball team. And I don't have to tell you the um, where people think of Carolina basketball. And then he comes out as a junior, second overall pick. I mean, so many expectations. And He's just a quiet guy, and then Pep practiced hard. He didn't say a word, played through injuries. And um, when he left, I never forget, I'm in Cleveland. So we all left that same year. I got cut. Pep, um, I think he was up contract-wise. And it's about 11 o'clock at night. I'd fallen asleep the night before our first game. We're in Tampa. And I had a text message. And that was odd for that time, for whatever reason. So I checked to see if it was something with the family. And it was some Julius Peppers. And it was a nice one-on-one, a one-on-one text he sent to me. And that was a pep I had never seen that side of. Mm. And, and I never forget how much that meant to me. And then as time went on, and he comes back to Carolina, and everybody said, oh, my gosh, it's a different pep. It's <laughs> like he, he's, he's accepted who he was. I don't know if he ever accepted his, his greatness. I think he kind of, I don't want to say shied away from it, but he just, that, that wasn't what he wanted. Then I think he finally accepted it. 
and embraced it. And, you know, he um, came back. And I'm glad he was able, both guys, to come back and, and finish out the way they did. Jake, before we let you go, we, we thank you for your time. A texter asked, and I was thinking the same thing, the 85-yard touchdown to Moose in the Super Bowl, which is still the record. I know that quarterback memories are crazy. Do you still remember the play call of what that was? Yeah, it was uh, Exxon. Um, I, I can't remember if it was 135 or 134 Exxon, <laughs> and that was all off of which way I faked. If I faked to the right, it was 134. I, I'm drawing a blank right now. But, yeah, it was a play called Exxon. Um, it's a play that we ran. Moose ran a, either a go or a post. Steve uh, had a, a big 18-yard dig, and either Ricky Prohl, uh, through a three-wide receiver set, would run a, a shallow cross, so kind of a three-level read, um, or if it was a tight end. So that's how we ran it. It was a play we ran all the time. It was a staple in that offense. And uh, it, it typical Moose, you know, he wasn't supposed to get the ball on that play. They had the coverage to where that was taken away. And I got kind of flushed to the left, and he just never stopped running. Certain guys would give up on a play. Yeah. Sometimes as a receiver, you've just got to run for the love of the game. You're not getting the ball, but you've got to run for the love of the game to make sure the other routes open up yeah. and enable yeah. them to open up. And he never stopped. And then, look, you get, you get rewarded in you know, typical Moose fashion. To think one guy was going to pull him down, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah. think they understood the thump that he had in those hands. Um, we used to like, we used to call him vice grips. You know, he just the thump that he gave the safety to continue to score was great. Absolutely. By the way, one other thing I got to jog your memory on before we let you go. Yesterday we were talking about Moose and Pap, right? They just, you know, word came down they were going into the hall, and we talked about the one thing that just never worked with Pep. Like, everything else will be, be made look easy. But the, the time, fade route. Yeah, the fade. y'all ran fade. that fade to number 90, and it's like, it feels like, God, it's got to work one of these times. He's such a freak athlete. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> I used to lose sleep. I, I mean, like, I would throw it up, but he would jump, and he would just kind of float, and it never worked. And I think the best thing about it, whenever Steve would see that it was in, he would get so pissed off because <laughs> he would get so mad and uh, that's what you loved about Steve and Steve it would just eat him up and uh, yeah it never worked it barely ever worked in practice we throw it up and he just jump and he just kind of hang and float so yes I know exactly I still yeah, I'm still frustrated about that oh that is great that is great uh, thank, right. thanks Jake you're the best man you're, you're such a huge part of this city and anytime you're talking about the past or the present it certainly means a lot to us and the listeners, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, see y'all in Spartanburg. Definitely. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to 
instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Let's go ahead and go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline right now. Welcome former East Carolina head football coach Steve Logan here on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Steve, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? No, oh, we're doing well. We really appreciate the time. I want to reminisce on some of your coaching days in Greenville. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. But I did want to focus on this upcoming team, Coach, because you talk about Mike Houston heading into his fifth year. He's done an excellent job the last couple of seasons. But this is truly the first year we'll see him have to reload on talent. Of course, you lose quarterback Ehlers, some of the other skill positions there. Are you giving Houston the benefit of the doubt when you look at this roster and just how hard it is to reload and keep a winning program, even when some of your recruiting classes that hit all at the same time are out the door? Well, I'll tell you that you touched on uh, the biggest deal about the whole conversation. It's the quarterback, it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I used to talk to um, people, you know, during my time at East Carolina. I, I would tell them, you know, if, if you can you can track the success, the dips and the lows and the highs and the lows. You can track all of that simply by pointing to the quarterback. And any time that I was breaking in a new quarterback, uh, let's say Jeff Blake, and trying to get him up and running in our system, we were a five and six football team. And then when they really really got it and matured, and uh, you know all of a sudden you're eleven and one. Well. Jeff Blake leaves, and here comes a young man named Mark Crandall. And of course, he broke his leg, you know, his first year. But you know, his second year, we he's seven and four, and then he matures and really begins to get it. And we're eight and three and nine and two or whatever it was. He leaves, and here comes a David Garrard. Well, guess what? We're six and five or five and six, something like that. And then it's uh, win eight, and then, you know, his senior year, junior, senior year, we win nine. And, you know, it you can track it. Right there it is. And the rest of those pieces to the puzzle are somewhat manageable. They really are. Uh, and that, the way that I ran my program, I'm just speaking from, from my, you know, journey. Well, yeah. So Go ahead, that, Coach. That's, that, that's what you're looking at with Coach Houston and uh, – you know, I've met Mike one time. I don't go back. I've been back to Greenville maybe once, maybe twice um, in 20 years. So, uh, but I did meet Mike briefly, and uh, but from a distance. And I'm not critiquing. I'm not. I'm not in the media anymore at all. I'm not analyzing games, any of that stuff. But from a distance, he looks like he's got the right idea how to handle East Carolina, which is a guerrilla warfare journey it's not normal it's not you know you're not a power five you're not you don't have a brand name you you know it is a true guerrilla warfare endeavor and he when you look at his resume every place he's been you know it's kind of a bootstrap deal he starts out two and nine five six and all of a sudden he's seven four and eight and three whatever He's done that every place he's been, and and he's kind of done that again at East Carolina. So if he gets a quarterback up and running pretty quick, they'll be pretty competitive pretty quick. It's kind of 
to me, it's that kind of simple. Well, and coach, you talk about guerrilla warfare. That's kind of the, <laughs> that's the language you describe trying to bring up this ECU football program. I, you went into some of the reasons. It, do you think it's a little different compared to the other group of five schools out there? Why do you describe it so much that way? Well, I mean, um, how old are you guys? That's a quick question. Um, Wes is the old man of the group. He's 40. I'm 30. And then our producer is 26. Okay. Well, you guys don't know what transpired. You, You might be conscious of it, but you don't really know what transpired in the 90s. When I was head coaching at East Carolina, we had access to good football players. In 1998, uh, the powers that be came along and created a monster called the BCS, the Bowl Championship Series, <laughs> which, which basically what that did, it told all the recruits, uh, here are the teams that are in the BCS, therefore they have a chance to win a national championship. Here's all the teams that are not in the BCS. Well, we were not in allowed into that group, along with Southern Mississippi and teams that were really, really good back in the day, Okay. And so that began to delineate and separate recruiting. It layered the recruiting. And suddenly I didn't have access to the same players that I had had access to from 1989 up until 1998. And so that's when the, the big separation took place and the Power Five came to be, and East Carolina has never been one of those you know, programs. So the recruiting, your recruiting pool... You can just imagine what that did to the recruiting. It, you know, it just changed everything. And you don't have access to the same players. So, you know, that's why, you know, when I say even back then, it was guerrilla warfare from the standpoint of uh, I couldn't do anything normal. I had to really have a, uh, an incredible weight, strength, and conditioning program. I had to take players. You know, I could give you a hundred examples. I'll give you a name that won't mean anything to you. A young man named Lamont Burns from Winston-Salem High School. I went out, I drove out one night and watched Lamont Burns run down for a kickoff for his high school football team. That's all he did. He ran down for the kickoff. He made a tackle. He went back and sat on the bench for the rest of the game unless it was a kickoff. And after the game, I just went, I said, what do you, why are you not playing? I, I, I talked to him right on the field. And he said, well, the coach and I have some, you know, he had some story. But Lamont was 6'5 and weighed about 215 pounds. Well, and he could run, really run. So I said, you know, he wasn't playing the game. But I gave him a full scholarship, brought him to East Carolina, put him in the weight room, shut the door, shoved food underneath the door to him for a year. We didn't even let him out. (laughs) And suddenly he weighs 260. Okay, now he weighs 260. I brought him out as a redshirt freshman, put him at tight end. He couldn't catch cold if he was naked in the Klondike. Well, he can't play tight end. Okay, what can he play? Well, I don't know. Put him on D. Well, he couldn't really separate off of a block. All right, now he's a redshirt junior. All right, what are you going to do with this guy? Well, we finally put him at offensive guard. And Lamont Burns blocked everybody in front of him for the next two years and played three years for the New York Jets. And so, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, UNC wasn't going to take Lamont Burns. Neither was North Carolina State or South Carolina or Clemson or any of the people that we had to play. 
but I could develop him into somebody that could certainly go beat those guys with, you know, in the right moment. And we did. So that that's the guerrilla warfare I'm talking about. I mean, we took players. I didn't even care what position they played in high school. I just took them if I thought they were really good athletes and they were really bright young men that had a high motor. And we would bring them into the program, and the high school tight end became a linebacker, and the high school linebacker became a running back. And I had three, three of the very best linebackers I had that I took down to Miami and beat the devil out of Miami with. All three of those linebackers <laughs> were 6'2", 240. All three of them were the high school fullback for their football team that nobody recruited. But they were absolutely fantastic collegiate linebackers. So, you know, that's, the, that's an active description of guerrilla warfare. That's, Coach- that's how you have to do it. Coach, Wes Bryant here, and so I remember one recruiting victory that you did get, and I don't know if you uh, remember me that well, but I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit uh, (laughs) back in the day. So I definitely said that uh, I was going to mention that to you and see if you uh, remembered me or remembered us because I know you remembered my quarterback. Yeah, Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually (laughs) went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? I do remember that. And, of course, and that's what I'm speaking to. When Florida comes along, I'm not going to get that football player. Yeah, Coach, you were right about that. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what? If if Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, man, that that was cool. They they asked me about you when we were talking about it, uh, planning the show, and I told them how I remembered meeting you on our recruiting visit up there uh, to East Carolina and coming up there to Greenville. So it is interesting the recruiting battles that you talk about and some of the nuanced things that kids like, and it's a whole different uh, ball game there. And I'm glad that you spoke on just how tough it is to recruit uh, with so much competition. And now you add NIL and uh, all of these things into it. So one recruiting win that East Carolina was able to get was their quarterback, Mason Garcia, the 6'5", 242. And he was a four-star kid, so they were really able to get this guy. We talked about him yesterday, one of the highest-rated recruits to come to a group of five school ever. So what do you think about him and his potential and what he could do for East Carolina? Well, uh, again, I, I he has he's been on the field so very, very, very little that no one knows. And I would venture to say even uh, the coaching staff at East Carolina doesn't know what they're going to get until you go out and, you know, the live bullets are firing. You know, you you played college football. You don't know what's going to happen until, I mean, practice is practice. Games are games, and they're different. But, uh, you know, I don't know that they know what they've got on their hands. Um, hopefully, he'll develop and become what you just described. But we all know that can go a lot of different directions. I mean, I've had, you know, that star system was another guerrilla warfare deal. And I'll, I'll educate you a little bit about the star system, okay? Okay. Let's say uh, you're a three-star quarterback, and you're, you've committed to East Carolina, all right? Well, that's, that's a good deal. Here we go. And out of nowhere, suddenly, uh, after your commitment, the recruiting process goes on, and now here comes Clemson, 
UNC and um, Oklahoma, and they offer you. Do you know how the star system works now? Yeah, you're going to get another star based off who's recruiting you because we had a cornerback on our team that was just like that, never had gotten any accolades up until his senior year, and then it's like, oh, they're recruiting you, they offered you, okay, we will too, and then it builds and builds. So go ahead and continue on. Well, you just you just defined and answered the presentation that I put forth. <laughs> a three-star a, a, a three means nothing. A four-star means nothing. It, it doesn't speak to the talent level. It speaks to who's recruiting you. Now, you could say, well, if they're recruiting him, he must be really good. Well, there's some truth in that. Mm-hmm. But it's not always true. And, and, again, I would go back, let's say, to Lamont Burns, who was no stars. But you, but he's, but you can develop it. You can develop, yeah. you know, players. And uh, so again, the star system was kind of a, a deal that um, I don't know. It it irritated me to be honest with you. I didn't think it was fair to the player. But there were a lot of recruiting uh, magazines that made millions of dollars selling that stuff. I know that. Yeah, Coach, so we'll get you out of here with this last question. Where, where do you see East Carolina today? We just talked about all of the recruiting uh, kind of things that are in front of them that could hinder them. And now, like I said, you at NIL and all of those things. Where do you see uh, the East Carolina program in the landscape of things today and still having to compete with the Carolinas, the NC States, and Clemsons? Well, I mean, the NIL thing, now this, you know, it used to be a facility arms race, right? You'd go to Florida and you saw, oh my God, they've got a, a, a dressing room and a weight room that's unbelievable and it's way better than East Carolina's, therefore I want to go to Florida. Well, the, all of a sudden the NIL thing is changing because let's say you were coming out of high school right now and let's say I was a coach from East Carolina and I said to you, hey, I'm going to give you $100,000 a year to come play for East Carolina. And Florida said, we're going to give you $20,000. Well, you'd go, I don't care what the weight room looks like at East Carolina. I'm going to East Carolina. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the NIL is going to trump the, uh, the, the facilities. But guess what? The bad news is East Carolina doesn't have $100,000. And they're never, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to, once again, they're not going to be able to compete in the NIL arena I mean, I saw something the other day. If you sign a national letter of intent with the University of Texas, and I'm not talking about starting, playing, becoming a starter. No, you get $50,000 straight up. Well, East Carolina can't do that. I don't know, you know, if North Carolina, North Carolina State, they could do it. I don't know if they are doing it. But there's going to be another giant separation infiltrate the recruiting process when People are doing things like that. Ohio State University, I saw where they raised $20 million overnight for NIL. Well, East Carolina, you know, they can't raise $20 million. And there's a whole bunch of programs that cannot do that. So once again, you're going to get another layering effect to the recruiting process that's going to have all kinds of ramifications on the scoreboard. And you're going to end up with about, you know, 18, 20 schools you know, the usual suspects that will be able to withstand all of this. That was former ECU coach Steve Logan teaching us about the game of football. Fantastic young stuff. Bucks here on Body Works Plus <laughs> guest hotline. <laughs> coach, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us and talking about ECU and the state of college Thanks, football. Thanks, Coach. Good to hear from you again. All right. See you guys later. All right.
I hope so. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on The Kyle Bailey Show... Longtime Tar Heel, former head coach, national champ as a player, the Rebound Podcast, WBT Radio, WBTRadio.com. I thought I was going to commit a felony on the, the side of the road last week on 77 when I saw a red pickup truck come screaming up behind maroon, my own. Maroon, maroon. Well, okay, that's fine. Maroon, maroon pickup Georgia, truck. Georgia red. Okay, all right, fine. But um, th- there was it looked like there was going to be a violent incident on the road last week. And I said to myself out loud something that I can't re- repeat verbatim on the, uh, the air here. But essentially what I said was, who is this bleephole and what does he want? And I turn around, and he comes up to my left, and it's Matt Darty cackling that he's been trolling me and acting like he's going to run me off the road on Interstate 77. So thank you for that. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, rubbing his racing. It was just uh, I saw you uh, peel out of the the, the garage, the the parking lot. Peel and, out? Come on now. With no, the pe- no, no, I've no, already no, had a listener, ETSU Luke, accuse me of peeling out of the parking no, no, lot. No, no, I didn't. I, sh- I just meant. Okay. No, no, driving out. You got a new truck, right? That's F- uh, about a year ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ford F one fifty. Yeah. You and right? I both drive F one fifty. So uh, uh, Jeff Shoe, Mooresville Ford, little plug. And so I said, "Well, I got to catch you, right? I mean, that's just what you know I got to do." And so you know, I had to weave in, and I see you. I see your big head through the back window, and um, I'm like, "I got to get him," and I got to get him, and I I got up on you, and I think I flashed the brights a couple yeah, times, yeah, you and did. you politely pulled over. I, I was thinking, you know, like sometimes. You know, people I know, uh, me, could be a little stubborn and kind of like, yeah, I screw you, you know. And uh, you let me ride by, and I pulled up, and I just, you looked at me, I grinned, and you, you, you gave me the. Uh, I flipped you off. Yeah, 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 you, yeah the, I gave the, you the finger. The, the one, the one gun salute. Two things, two things on that, and I want to move on because I, I very much adhere to road etiquette. The left lane is for passing. Amen. All right. So a freaking man. Even if I'm going 77, if you're coming up the, the left-hand lane 82 and you want to get by me and I've got the room to get over, I'm just going to let you, That's I'm right. let you go. Amen. I got no problem with Amen. that, right? And also in that situation, I wanted to be able to look at you face-to-face, man-to-man, before I knew it was you and tell you to go F yourself. <laughs> um, and then I found out it was you, and I really wanted to tell you to go F yourself. Oh, but, I loved it. So we'll race in the uh, easy pass lane on the way home. How there about we that? Well, we'll, uh, let, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. Y'all yeah. watch out for two F-150s racing. 
laughing That's on right. the way home. Um, oh, 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 state oh. troopers, too. Keep an eye out for us. All right, 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the text line. Brandon Miller dropped 26 last night in Summer League. Do you care at all about the Summer League? Not anymore. Okay, why not? I, I wanted to get a first look at Wemby and Brandon Miller. And, you know, then guys aren't playing. It's It turns into a pickup game. Uh, guys aren't, aren't getting back on defense. They don't know how to play. I just wanted to see them move and, and a general feel. My my opinion of Brandon Miller is not really going to change after the first game, and my opinion's good. I mean, he's a good player, he's, and I, I, think I, think, I think I said this last week, great instincts, unselfish, passes, sets up teammates. He is not, uh, you know... Is he going to be Scotty Pippen? I don't think so. Is he going to be a very good pro for a long time? Yes, I believe so. And from people I've talked to that have worked with him, he says he's a great kid and he's very smart. Um, but he's not a one-on-one one -on -one type of player uh, that can create space and you know go for 30. Uh, will he get 30 in a game? Yeah, because he's playing the right way in teams teammates will share him the ball but I, I think he is a lot like uh, Brandon Ingram who uh, went to Duke and and plays uh, for the Pelicans uh, which is a hell of a player so I think we got a good player I, I think so too what about Nick Smith Jr. though going for 33 last night that's a guy that was projected as a top five pick in this year's draft and they couldn't stay healthy at Arkansas yeah I mean that's where you do your work right as a scout that's where I think um, you you when I work for the Pacers you know why is this player undervalued and i remember looking at a couple of players and said you know we picked them at the pacers picked them in the second round um i said if they were healthy uh, they might be lottery picks so you know take it off the the heap and emotions get in the way people forget they they one of the scouts used to say hiding in plain sight like he's hiding in plain sight but people are afraid or they just overlook and they get their biases and they overlook a Nick Smith. So that could be a steal. Could be a steal. I, again, there are people, and I'm hesitant to say this, especially after, uh, what was it, the 21 draft where they left with James Booknight and Kai Jones and everybody was celebrating, right? Right. That's it, my point. In hindsight, you know, it's like, hey, you know, yeah, you had a good night on draft night, but it didn't mean anything. Same kind of thing here that you got to wait and see. But there are a lot of folks that feel like Charlotte could have, you know, could have been an absolute heist of Brandon Miller and Nick Smith in the first round if things work out. But that's always the big caveat. Right. I mean, yes, the the, the last summer, the hype, Kai Jones and Book Book Knight, they're not that good. You know, especially Book Knight. They're not. They're not that good. And so you've got to let it play out. You know, you gotta let it play out over time. And you know, what is that? Is that two years, three years, five years? You know, I think after there's, you know, by the third year, you say, oh, he's a really good player or he's just okay or he's a bust. We got Coach Matt Daugherty in studio with us here for a couple of minutes longer. Um, let, let's hit a few things. Yeah. Julius Peppers is going into the Carolina Panthers yes. Hall of Honor. This man is quintessentially North Carolina. Yes. Um, Bailey, Bailey, North Carolina. Uh, was it uh, Southern something Nash High School? I forget uh, the exact name of it. Um, Southern South Bailey. Oh, uh, no. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Sorry. No, it, it's um, Southern Nash uh, Senior High School. So I, know, I knew it was something like that. Um, went to North Carolina. Played for the Carolina Panthers. Retired as a Carolina Panther. But you were also his basketball coach. That's right. At the University of North Carolina. That's right. What, what do you remember most about not only his time and his ability, but just having Pep around the basketball program? Uh, everyone liked Pep. 
um, everyone liked Pep. He was a likable guy, and you know, and he was a smart basketball player. I mean, here he comes and joins our team the end of December. And we run some stuff. We have a system that, you know, there's some read and reactions to it. And I remember playing at Florida State, and late in the game, we had a lead, um, and they're starting to press out and starting to gamble. So we run this play, which is, you know, uh, that four spot supposed to dribble to the top of the key, pick up his dribble, reverse pivot, pump fake, and throw back door. He does it. And, and on the road, and his Joe Forte for a backdoor layup that basically puts the final nail in the coffin. Um, didn't, like, low-maintenance player. Like, low, low-maintenance. He and Ronald Curry both. <laughs> no Low-maintenance, uh, and yet... I think I really believe this. He could have played in the NBA if that became his focus. Um, I think he had 18 in like 10 against Maryland at home. Um, he was a basketball player uh, built like <laughs> one of the best athletes ever to, you know, play football. In, in my humble opinion, he scored. He had a double double in his final game in that tournament game against Penn State, right? Yeah. 21 and 10. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. No, I, I'm just. No, I know. But you could have brought up like the Maryland game where that kind of led you to, but you didn't want to go there because I blew your doors off on 77. <laughs> I promise you there's a reason for bringing it up. So that's his final his, his final appearance in a basketball uniform yeah. because after that game, after that season, he decides to focus solely on football. Were you surprised? Were you disappointed that he didn't go back? Oh, Did yeah. Was I disappointed? Sure. I mean, Ronald Curry and Julius Peppers come back. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I might not get fired. Yeah. You know, because we probably would have made the NCAA tournament. And they would have set the tone in the locker room for the younger players. It would have been an easier transition for me. But could I blame them? Heck no, man. They they, they were football players and, and great football players. But more importantly, you know, great guys that I just love to coach. Ronald Curry was huge in our victory at... Um, at Duke. I mean, matter of fact, when Ronald started, when he came back, he start. I put him in a starting lineup. Um, we won 18 games in a row, which was the second longest winning streak in Carolina basketball history at the time. It's amazing. All right, before I let you go, I've got a hypothetical for you. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here was the one yesterday. Just guys, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. And I've never seen the text line more full of bravado, false confidence in grown men in my life. But the question was, it, it's basically you got two options. I either give you a million dollars. And you just walk away scot-free with that cash. Or I offer you $10 million. But to get to 10, you've got to enter a live NFL game as a running back. And you've got to gain five yards on 10 carries. What do you take? In your physical prime, what do you take? Oh, I'm taking the 10. Oh, okay. I yeah. love it. God, I love I'm it. taking the 10, God, man. I love it. God, I'm, I'm going to get. Shoot. I might break one and take it to the house. <laughs> Add him to the list. That's amazing. All right, so this is today's. You ready? Your life is on the line. It's literally life or death, or the you know the life of your partner. I threw that out there too. But your life's on the line, and you get three attempts, either from half court on a basketball floor, or three tee shots at TPC Sawgrass Seventeen, the famous island hole, right? Right, the par three, and you've either got to hit one shot or land one tee shot on the green. Right. Now, I'm assuming you take the half court shot. It depends. Was it wind blowing? Now oh, we got to get into conditions here. Okay, it's a it's a beautiful day. Okay, on the golf I'm course. taking the golf course. Are you really half court shots are like ridiculous? That's what I said because we had Kingpin Mark from Fort Mill. He said I'm a college basketball player and I'm taking the golf shot. Yes, That's what he said. I'm taking the golf shot. 
half court shots, like that's more luck. That's Y'all hard. Three, three tee shot. How how many yards? Uh, what is it? One seventy. Hold on. How long is TPC Sawgrass? 17. From, from the white tees? <laughs> no, from the tips, Coach. We're we're always playing from the tips. Or your right? life. One thirty-seven is what this says. One thirty-seven. One thirty-seven. I mean, it's an look. It's uh, I'm think, taking that all day long. The golf shot all day long. All I mean. day long. Wow. I mean, I'm not shocked that you took the golf shot, but sure. I'm a little bit surprised. No, no. And my golf game's not, you know, very good right now. But that's a that's a three quarter nine iron, a little back of the stance. Oh yeah, uh, I'm getting one of one of those three on the green. Half court shots, three attempts. Hmm, someone might die. <laughs> I love it, Coach Matt Darty. I'll see you at six o'clock. Let's race. Okay. <laughs> Boog- boogity boogity, baby. I'll see you at six o'clock. Thank you. Coach right. Matt in studio. Back on a Wednesday afternoon. We are racing on 77. Look for us going on. We- I'm kidding. I'm not going to flag the cops, but it's one of these days we're racing home on, on the easy pass lane. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.